Welcome to the Old Chats Pod with me, Amesha here. And me, James Factor. This podcast will tackle the taboo topic of mental health in a raw, honest and jovial way. With two good mates who've met in London talking about their own mental health hiccups with some help from some special guests along the way. Welcome to episode five. This is the Workplace Chat. Here we discuss the importance of creating a positive environment in the workplace for people to talk about their mental health hiccups, what employers can do for employees suffering, and how beneficial it is for a company to have employees with good mental health. How do you factor? I'm good, Meshi. How are you? Good week? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. Went to bad thanks. How's yours? Haven't you just come back from a la Paris? I have come back from Paris, yeah. First day with the restrictions lifted and I'm on a plane straight away to see a friend. Just so, ha- just so happened. How was that whole experience from top to bottom? It was great. It was really, it was really great. It was had, um, just see a friend who's been there for a few years. He's French as well, so he fits in. And then, and it was good. It was like, they're, they're ahead of us by quite a bit. So it was, it was weird to be sitting in cafes and bars and it was buzzy, but not, not packed. So it was like half full. So it was really nice. There's place space to move around and see the sights without getting bogged down. Everything working in order, public transport, everything normal in a sense. Yeah, everything's normal. Yeah. And every like, there's, I don't know if there's clubs and stuff, but there's late night bars and cafes where, where of course I went to. The whole laissez-faire, the whole laissez-faire attitude there from the French. Just don't care. Mate, they they invented it. They invented it, yeah. <laughs> apparently. And they're, they're, they're back to it now. So, yeah, they don't give a shit. Well, they do. They, because they took it hard, didn't they, early on. So yeah. they, they had to fill out a lot of papers to get going. and then. But now it's paying, paying dividends, isn't it, for them? And we're going to still be, who, who knows, back to something later. Fingers crossed, mate. Yeah. Good old Good. Mr. Macron, eh? Sorting out. Uh, uh, we saw him in his car. Did you? Did yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> Chances of you mentioning that? Yeah, just yeah. he's getting whizzed across uh, in his in his limo, and uh, all of the on the cafe terrace, all of the Parisians looked at him and waved. Oh, nice! This week, I think we're going to tackle mental health in the workplace. Uh, and I know we've both kind of mentioned how by the main gist of any employer it needs to create like a positive environment for people to talk uh, about mental health especially if people are suffering. I know I'm of the belief, and I'm pretty sure you will be as well, fact of that, it should be like a key pillar and a value of any organisation. Um, and it should be like written in gold and set in stone that they're always there to help people who may be suffering mentally. Yeah, I think it should, I think it should be more on the, on the agenda than it is currently, for sure. It's not something that is, I've heard from people has been broached a lot and, from sort of senior management down, I guess, and from, from the corporate side of things too, there's always the kind of the token embracing of, you know, mental health week and things like that and posting things out. But then I think internally to that, there's, um, yeah, there's ways that, that that can be improved upon to make it comfortable for all kinds of personality types to really thrive. Because I think that's the real challenge of that is that there's so many different kinds of people sometimes getting put together in a place of work and they're all expected to hit the set, a pretty much uniform standards uh, of of expectations for across the board. So, how do you cater to people who may never go through, you know, a mental health issue in, in any form, and they won't respond to any kind of rhetoric in that area? And then 
some people who you know will be desperate for that that flag bearing you know leading the way for a company to do that so that they can then get on basically with with doing their work better for me work was you know one of the biggest challenges it was it was a big trigger to sort of my dip a few years ago starting yeah. the work um and going through that it was it was interesting because i've always i've had like something about sort of confined spaces quiet spaces anyway that's that's been a, th- a thing for me so like in libraries and stuff for studying university i really struggled then at the time to sit and sort of concentrate and be like in the zone and focus on the work so i, I had to leave pretty soon when i got in there because i just couldn't i was just so aware of my self in the in the in the um in the room and i just yeah. couldn't get into the zone so but when you're studying you can pass you can pass it off and you can go home and you, you know you don't have to it doesn't hit you in the face but starting work for the first time and having to confront that head on without anywhere to go and seemingly not being able to reach out and talk to someone about that and how it was affecting so negatively on my work and then having people think that that was you know what i was capable of in that environment was it was it was tough to to engage with and as we was we've spoken earlier about you know environment and perspective on the fact that these things are, are bigger influences on us than we are on ourselves you know we yeah. take such a, a burden of that when really there are other things that we could have controlled in the past and we just didn't know too much about it so i was honestly you know by like november i started in september so by november i was just like resign myself that I'd have to go and you know work in the woods and be like you know <laughs> outdoors and like like the office life just wasn't for me and that looking back now that's just ridiculous to think that but that was my mindset for that period of time so if there's you know ways to deconstruct that especially for younger people coming into it then then I think we should be trying to look at it. Did you do anything about it in terms of like did you tell anyone or anything when you were struggling at work or no, not not at all. Really, it it kept it just sort of built up. So it's, it started off as just something that it played on my mind. So you know, it was just started to just build more and more, made me more anxious each each week that I was having these feelings of claustrophobia. And combined, with, I mean, it's it's a completely different place now. Anyway, so like the environment. If I'd gone into that place as it is now, back then, I don't think a lot of these issues wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. And I think even if there'd been a bit more an open nature around that kind of discussion, then I probably would have just said something. And then you don't get the whole avalanche of stuff that builds on that. But it was just, yeah, it was just that one, you know, that initial f- first few weeks of the job and the, the people there in the environment, you know, it's, it's very different. So back then looking back on it, it was, it was a negative place to be. And there was a certain, you know, individuals in there that made it a really quiet, you know, a silent place where you couldn't sort of talk about these kind of things or feel like you could do that. So so I didn't say anything. No, I just kept on going with it, and then it just sort of built up and really internalised. And then that, along with you know two or three other things that have been going on from you know with my shoulder injuries, and then leaving studying and getting into the working world, it all hits at the same time. Yeah. And then like we've spoken about, you know, you don't know which one of those things is going to make it the perfect storm. But then that one on top of it was was really sort of my lowest point around December at that time, and it took a long time to get out of that when I first spoke about it to to my mum about it because she could see there was something wrong and yeah the discussion just started there and then it took like you know six months a year to get back out of it it takes a took me a really long time to get back to normal basically and then I saw the work I was doing you know improve and then 
confidence gained and uh, you know hopefully I'm you know I feel great at work now and I, I love love doing it but that was a it was a scary time to be in that position without knowing what I do now but it's a real daunting experience as well like especially as you say did you start a new job was that when you just started the new job it kind of all came at once yeah for first job new job so so it all came in at the same time and that's the thing like the whole fear of discrimination or like feelings of shame I think it's two of the main reasons why colleagues people don't outreach to colleagues or tell people at work about the mental health uh, hiccups and I think when I so I remember when I first joined the place I work now um you had to fill out loads of forms for like health insurance and obviously it says like pre-existing conditions I was like yeah I've had that like, ankle surgery like broken windows of that but then when it came to like, mental health stuff although I'd like diagnosed with depression I was 18 I never I just put like NA you didn't want to write anything about it really? because I think for me it's the same thing whereby yeah you're handing this to an em- employer who they're like, obviously going to put things across put it into but it's all confidential don't it is confidential don't get me wrong but I didn't have that mentality at the time I was like I'm just I'm literally starting this new job as a grad I don't yeah. want them to like change anything or discriminate and that's the perfect example of people probably shying away from it and not not mentioning it and I think that's the whole attitude that we'd like to change and don't get me wrong some employers like my employers now are fantastic like you can all do things about it but I think that's the the end goal for many companies in the sense of you need to make it a positive thing and encourage people to talk. Yeah. What, what was it for you? Was it the, the, just the nagging feeling that, you know, even though the, the line is that none of this will get sort of used against you in any, in any way, you know, for career development or whatever, was it, was it like a, just a, sh- a social shame or was it more of a, like a career disadvantage that you thought you might be putting yourself into? I reckon a bit of both, mate. Like, yeah. Like a social shame in the sense of what I've just moved to London, first like grad career job. Obviously, I don't know anyone. It's brand new, like you're starting from the bottom, like learning the ropes, and then probably tying into the whole career thing in the sense of I've always wanted to be like you wanted to be like a manager, you want to get that at the top, or like you want to own a business of like I've pretty ambitious in the sense of you want to get to the top, but I didn't want those mental health hiccups in the sense of someone being like, oh mesh, I'm not going to put you on this project because it's going to be quite a stressful client because of that. Like yeah. you know what I mean? That's that's just how like your inner critic is obviously thinking. But from my own like personal experiences at work, I think when I first actually had professional help, which was another benefit from work in the sense of I got the professional help through the healthcare at work. So if I didn't if I didn't have that good healthcare at work, who knows if I'd have had the opportunity to get professional help. But yeah, it was a couple of years ago and basically I think we'll we'll speak about this in future episodes, but when I was twenty one one of my best mates died and then two years ago another one of my best mates had really badly ill. Um, and I remember just going to work and I was just like it was probably like a two-week period whereby I was getting the getting the tube to work, like a bit of a cry, going to work, and literally just watching the clock pass till half five, six, bang, see you later. I'd go home and then just like, yeah, just just so draining. And I thought that probably went on for like two weeks, and I just thought to myself, like, I wish somebody at work knew. Like, don't get me wrong, I was, I was still doing my work fine. Was it the best work of my abilities? Probably not, no. But I was just getting through the day and doing it. But it's frustrating because it's like work's not the priority at that sort of moment in time. Um, it's your own personal personal health care to extent. And that was when my anxiety was really high. Didn't know if I put enough milk in like, someone's tea and stuff like that. Like that two weeks. And I think the penny dropped when it was actually our receptionist. I think we were, it was someone's leaving drinks. He even came up to me. He was like, oh, mate, you are right. Like you seem a bit off. And then yeah. when he said that, that was like probably the trigger. I was like, I actually need to do something about it. And I was quite fortunate. I had two great managers at the time. And we just had, luckily I had an appraisal like that week anyway, just chatting as normal. And then I was just like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I need to like have some professional help. Like 
it's difficult because whenever they give you a point, you've kind of got to take it. So I was like leaving work early on like a Friday. And obviously I'll tell him my boss and stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like they're unbelievable at it. But I remember when I was first doing it, I'd obviously, I was just making excuses up to like my mates. I the sense of like, they go to the pub on a lunchtime. I'm like, I can't go because I need to finish early. Like get my work done to get that. And then eventually like, I was like, obviously quite scared and like, same thing, probably shameful. Then I said it like a few weeks later and everyone's like, yeah, fine. Like, who can, like, yeah, why don't you say yeah, something? To, to, your, to your friends. Yeah, to, you a friend, to, a friend, yeah to a friend at work. I was a bit like, yeah. And obviously you're a bit like hesitant to say it, but whatever you say, everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, and then that's when people probably realise as well. Like, wouldn't you say that? Everyone's like, oh, I realise you're a bit, like a bit cage, you're a bit off. I'm like, don't you like an office invite? We both work in offices and especially in like the centre of London. It can get on top of you, like the whole office everything's like go 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 going to the pub and stuff but i think yeah like i said it's quite hard sometimes to, to take a step back but that was my own like personal experiences at work and i was pretty grateful that when i was going into work i was like forgetting about stuff temporarily because when i was busy like, i was around my mates but then obviously waking up that next day i'm just like oh it's just so fatiguing it's like i'm just going through yeah. those motions again but yeah like my employees are fantastic in the sense of we're kind of putting in place a lot more initiatives uh, to help people with mental health uh, hiccups and issues. And I don't know, but I've got like so many ideas in my head of what employers can do. But it's, it's like with many things, it's a bit like trial and error. And I think the main thing that I and a few other employees at work struggle or like found difficult was a sense of you're bringing in a lot of initiatives. And I think the main thing that people are scared of, even though they're suffering, is the whole disclosure thing. So did you feel cl- when you spoke... I remember you speaking about when you told your friends uh, about what you're going through and then when it came up in work, did you feel more comfortable with work with that discussion or was it a bit, a bit tense still when, when it came up? I think it was, it was actually all right in the sense of I had quite a good relationship with my bosses, um, with my bosses and obviously my mates. Yeah. And to be fair, I, there was a couple of times where I think I had, had my appointments at like four. So it's like at the end of the day, I'd like then obviously go home. And then there's one time where I went and then came back to the office and I'm like, I'm not in a, not in the right headspace stuff to do that. Where it's, it was a good way of like ending the day. And like, it was on a Friday, it was like starting the weekend. So it's like, yeah, bang. It's one of those things whereby like you you go to, you have a dentist appointment, no one cares. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have a dentist appointment. Everyone's like, hey, who cares? But because this was like a regular thing, everyone's a bit like, oh, like where's mesh kind of thing. Yeah. Once I told people and it's like my mates and stuff, everyone's like, yeah, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. It should be encouraged like anything. This whole like flexible working now is a sense of if someone needs to go see someone, then obviously I like to think that employers will be uh, accepting of it. Yeah. And how did you feel when you told, when the when, 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 sorry, when work knew about it finally? I guess all of that tension and like the fatigue from in the weekend just, just went away. Yeah, massive. Oh, yeah, hugely. Yeah, massively. It's like it's just like a huge weight off your shoulders because you're actually telling people that's how you're feeling. You've been struggling, but then that's when it's like, oh, you've actually been doing some of like still doing good work in the sense of when you've been suffering. It's quite interesting to see like the better work you can do once you're feeling fit and healthy mentally and physically. Yeah. I think the other, I mean, how old were your, your seniors when, when you were speaking to them? Like what kind of, cause I find the age distinctions between, you know, who, who you see in the media now, you know, talking about mental health issues a lot more it seems to be kind of our bracket, maybe a bit older. So, you know, you get to kind of 40. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very open thing in, in sport, but also just, you know, cultural icons, you know, scientists and stuff, they talk about it. You don't see as much when you get above that level. And I think if you're thinking in, you know, role models and kind of 
the top-down approach to you know making a corporate environment or you know a pressure environment bearable and, and attainable for people to really compete in yeah is that is that important like what what how do you feel about that in, in relation to the age kind of side of it in the division yeah so when i told both my bosses of the females and they were in like early 30s but it's massive for any employer if it comes from that top down like with anything i can more or less 100 percent agree that somebody in senior management at any company is going to suffer for some mental health hiccups and if if it actually comes from them as like a company wouldn't it like it obviously inspires people the sense of that doesn't get get in the way of your career look where they've got they've got to the top being that yeah and also too like gives them the confidence to like norm, normalize everything this is a massive thing like if, if a company can nail mental health with their employers the employer is a perfect example of people not being treated as a number and as a person the benefits are um, like, i think the working benefits from that are just so vast yeah i i agree i, th- I think it can be you can unlock potential can't you with that oh, yeah. it, and to an extent where if it gets if it gets to an, a certain point then it's really putting someone down and then they're not able to perform at their best so it's kind of it's in the interest of the company to do something about that to get the best out of them do you think there's actually a willingness from from bosses and seniors to to really push mental health in that direction too far at the expense of making it because there is a balance isn't there between making it you know a molly coddling kind of culture and then making it a place where you know you everyone can feel comfortable to perform to their best um i don't know what you think about that how that balance should be should um, be struck with it i don't know if it's a sense of pushing it too far but i feel as if every company should have some sort of mental health initiatives whereby if if it can just be as simple as just aligning with there's a lot of companies out there who have like apps or certain apps like giving people like free subscription to those apps or like free access. It's just, it's basically what, probably what Carl said as well in the last episode in the firefight, like having, knowing there's like a contact number that you can actually speak to, like specializing just for your, like for your employers. And I think, I don't think there's a sense of like pushing and like muddy culling, but it's like everyone has good and bad days. Don't get me wrong, but it's just having, having something there in place for when people are suffering really badly to actually be able to access it. That's like, I think that's the main thing. I don't think it's necessarily a money culling like, environment. It's just a case of having something in place. Let it be like structure. Let it be like a contact number or anything. It's just, it's just something that should be like unique to that business. Yeah. So you know, unless rather than just like potentially throw something like the Samaritans or some like global thing, like, I think a lot of companies in the past may have just aligned with a mental health charity just to get their logo on there, like the business promotions, whatever. Yeah, they haven't yeah. any put anything through yeah i agree that's the thing isn't it it's the uniqueness of the setup you have yeah and, and tapping into whatever that is i mean also in just so there's obviously the the short-term look at a kind of uh output gains for like a what say a worker in, in and analyzing how their mental health affects that so i think there's you know there's evidence i think it's it's complex i think there's evidence to suggest that in the short term you like for example with lockdown we've got at the moment the article that I've seen about it is looking at analyzing. And so this was pre-COVID anyway. So they were doing a test study on people who are working from home and people who are in the office. Yeah. And, and their prediction would be that the office people would be hitting you know, better targets, more work out, out load, and, um, and the people from home would be less. And it was actually the reverse case yeah. of that. It, yeah, it was for the, for the first sort of few months. The people working from home put in a higher shift, but their personal job satisfaction was lower. 
which is a really that's a really worrying stat when you if you unpack that you know in, in the short term that's not that's not conducive to making a huge change in mental health but i think the one thing where it will you know if people if companies look in a longer term about this and if you think at the moment the amount of people who are basically just moving around you know jobs and then there's opportunities everywhere and there's no vested interest anymore for people to stay in a job for 10 20 30 years as they as people as our parents were doing you know before yeah i think and especially if you look at like the kind of literatures coming out like bullshit jobs for example it's looking at you know a third of the workforce are basically saying that they don't feel their job really matters to anyone yeah. that's that's a really shocking yeah. stat to, to get your head around but if if companies can um tap into uh the kind of shared vulnerability of their workforce and like because i i know the not from work but it might be that i've only been in one environment where there's been actually a discussion about vulnerability and not about sort of strength and assets yeah. and and like slogans of you know you know, pain is temporary success, you know, whatever, you know, the kind of slogans and the effect that just having a group of us talking about, you know, why we played rugby and, and how, how we were vulnerable and when it really helped us out, you know, when we were weak, basically, if you bring that to the table, that had huge effects to us in the long run as a team. I just think if you could, if a corporate way could tap into that, I'm not entirely sure how you do it, but if you could like, for example, have just like a whiteboard, like a, a wall or something. Yeah. And you just have people write times when they were vulnerable and weak, you know, and why either work matters to them or why the, the, the social side of it helps, you know, and what they've gone through. You don't even have to sign your name. It could just be an anonymous kind of wall. Yeah. And then, and then you can build up on that. And then that's your wall of that, of that office. That's personal to your corporate structure. No, no other corporate structure is going to have that because it, those problems it, internally entirely the people who work there. So I don't know how you feel, would feel about that. But for me, that would make me feel very special being to be part of helping these people. And I know rugby is not, it's not the same as work and it's, it's competitive and it's your livelihood and it's, it's big stakes. But I think until that's embraced, you're going to have this constant sort of churn of people always, you know, flitting around and not really establishing themselves in kind of an essential way. I, I don't know if that's important to people anymore, but I, I think that's something that could be embraced to, to build it. Mate, that's such a good idea in the sense of what just yeah say if you have like a whiteboard in a room and people can just go in like, i don't know on a week or whatever whenever something's happened they just write on it yeah it's just totally yeah whenever just i mean if you were a ceo and you, if you really cared about this i don't know if they if top people do or not you know to be honest i think I they might so. i think so. I, I hope they do and i think they should because if they do go in there you know to sign their name on it and say you know i went through this tough time you know it was awful whatever yeah. about that they've gone through as we were saying, that trickle down to the people that gets people confidence to also share it. And then you've got a, more of a bond between, because it's not just kind of, like you said, it's not like go see the Samaritans or just here's the number. Yeah. Because I, actually, I think a lot of companies have very good apparatus in place for helping mental health. Mm -hmm. The problem's the problem's not the external structures there to support you. The problem's the internal structures. Of the of the environment and people not dealing with it themselves, it's like putting their putting mental health issues onto an exterior body. Yeah. When really, when really, that's everyone's responsibility within the team, and it's about getting people to realise that more. And I think that would start from a senior figure to sort of buy into that, and then once someone's bought into it, it can really spread and build something sort of bigger than its parts. For it. Yeah, mate, that's such a good yeah, that's such a good idea. Mm -hmm.
there's so many reasons why having a good mental health would help any employer. The top of the funnel is like creating the best business, probably the best business plan, whatever, but and creating the, the best type of work. But people are going to be more accustomed to be creating those better works if they are in a better physical state, a mental state. And I think, yeah, like we said, it's not just, it's making it more personable and it's just creating this like workplace culture where like people can be themselves. And that's a big thing that I think people struggle with in terms of work. Fair enough. Some people like they want to keep their work and like social life separate, which, which is more than fine. Don't you wrong. But there's going yeah. to be times where a family member's died and stuff. You need to take time off work. Like there's always going to be those sort of times is having those conversations, which you might think are uncomfortable, actually not. It just kind of goes back to creating better communication. Communication I think is one of the key, another key pillar whereby businesses benefit like just being open and like just be able to chat to people within your team and whether it's work or socially yeah and that's just a big thing that mental like having these initiatives in to help mental health i think makes an employer realize that their employees actually care about them yeah which is huge like which is the biggest thing you'd ever want like you think about how much of our life we're actually working big part of our life that needs to be resolved yeah and how into connected it's going to become possibly with you know working from home more people yeah their their personal lives and their work are going to be directly that you know that link and keeping communication channels like you said open is more important now than it than it was before i guess because you got you got to keep on making it feel like there is a team ethos there and there is a, a central point for everyone to be responding to and i think that's one of the biggest things that i've kind of struggled with mentally during this whole covid period i think it kind of makes you realize well, without working with your mates I'm not saying it's not enjoyable, but it's just so different. Like one of the main reasons why people stay in the workplace is the people we work with. Yeah. And, uh, like uh, works work. Like you just kind of got to get it done, but being around those people that makes the day go quicker. is yeah. like a massive thing that I've missed in this period. Well, I think, do you think it will come back? I mean, I think the office actually, there's been a lot of talk about sort of, this is the death of the office or, or that, but I think that that's a short term kind of explosion of people loving, you know, the freedom to be at home. If, if they've got a, a good setup at home if they haven't then it's obviously you know detrimental but yeah. if you if you do like it it's, and it and it works for you but i'd like you just said that it's about if you don't have at some point that office to, to define your working world and have all the people there who are part of it in the same spot I think you're losing a huge amount of because it's your day to this is it's like every day isn't it it's not just like a short-term view of it this is yeah. to, and to be missing out on that for long periods i think will will be detrimental so i don't know i think it will come back and be slightly altered where you have more flexibility around who comes in and when but i still think it's it's massively important to have that central base just as a mental like as a totem for you know you you are going to work this is your workplace this is your little area of london or wherever it is it might be yeah you kind of you know attached to it when everyone can actually go back to working together or when everyone if they did if they can with their team and stuff I think the biggest thing is, is like the whole social thing. So when I see my employees next, I think the last thing we're going to be talking about is work. I mean, quite often that's probably the main thing we talk about in the office. Yeah. I think it's, this is just the thing that people want to like, obviously miss. And like this whole period has been tough for many people, like us two included mentally. And I think, yeah, not having the people around you in the sort of like working environment does have a massive hindrance for people. When me and a colleague kind of talked about our own experiences at work, it makes you realize that there's so many people um there's so many people that are obviously suffering it's the same thing so many people that are suffering and they don't know how to talk about it in the workplace but like you said i think a key 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 thing is just got to come from like the senior management and stuff 
And it's like, if he comes and see your body, he's knowing like, this is fine, it's acceptable. Won't get in the way of any of you, your career progression or anything. Yeah. Like, that's such a big, big thing. And they have to, they have to say that, you know, in many ways, like, as we know in, in our own little way, you know, not on, on a big scale but, or whatever, but going through that kind of, that down period or that, that tough, that really tough time yeah. has, for me anyway, and I know it has for you as well, sort of added to, you know, sort of strength and to deal with other things and, and to get through it. It is, it's a confidence booster once you have come through it and if you can keep on top of it and, and monitor it. And I think, I, I imagine a lot of, very senior people who would have gone through something similar at some point and to not, to not cite it as, you know, possibly something which helped them get on that track or, or something that they overcame to get on that track yeah, and not speak about it a lot. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm not looking in, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, I'm a small team and we're, we've got an indie feel to us and we're close. And so it's not, it's not a kind of a corporate side of it, but I would just imagine that that would be something that could be, could be beneficial and then the thing about uh, i guess it's it's tough because i'm this was like three years ago you know to going through yeah. this period so it's kind of, I, even i have to like i have to combat my own skepticism which is crazy because i'm sort of you know torn it feels like it was such a different a different experience a weird experience for me that it was almost sort of fictional like it didn't really yeah. happen and I, but i have to kind of keep reminding myself that yeah, it, it did happen and it was that bad. And you have to keep trying to put yourself into that spot when it comes to these discussions about other people, what they might come up through. Yeah. And it's just about constantly kind of putting that side of it on and just thinking that it's it's not something that's just going to come naturally. You know, it's, it's not going to just move in that direction. It takes like the people within that team to really, to make it happen. That's so true. It's like like with with many things we've said before with mental health is stopping it before it gets so big. Like I guarantee, once you're suffering like this in the workplace, if you don't stop it early doors, you're going to make mistakes, and that's the whole domino effect happens. Like you make a mistake, someone might tell you off, and then and then it, if you've got to talk about it, then that's when people might be like, oh, they're using that as an excuse. Like hopefully they don't have that opinion. But so the excuse thing is that's really that's an interesting kind of that's discussion as well, isn't it? Because that's the kind of area where I, th- I think that some people who don't want to talk about these things in the workplace are wary that that's where it will get to and that you become, uh, you cover for mistakes or for incompetence or whatever with the, with these excuses. But I don't I actually think that if you empower people to talk about these things from an early stage, you're actually putting the onus on the employee to sort it out so because yeah, if, you keep, so if you if you keep it tabooed and sort of stigmatized you're just kind of um pigeonholing people who are going through that and then saying okay well though this is an issue you, you know thank you for bringing it to us here you go to get you know sorted or whatever yeah, yeah. And it's, then the tippy towing around the whole thing is going to allow people to take advantage of that discord between the discussion about it and the kind of you know the taboo status of it whereas if you break that down you can say to employees who come to you, you say, okay, well, are you doing this or this? Or are you getting yourself, where are you going to, to try and get, get yourself sorted so you can come back and, you know, be part of the team again. So we give employers the confidence to say, okay, I feel, you know, that's, thank you for telling me and, you know, to have an open dialogue about it, but just say, well, you know, how can we help you? You know, let's get you back to this. Let's not just 
pigeonhole it away somewhere and wait for them to maybe come back or maybe not because that's not again that's gonna it's gonna stop uh, i guess abuse of you know the, the the label of it and we've said it before about you know talking about it more and and de-stigmatizing it and making it more than just a kind of black or white issue is going to encourage more nuance in these discussions and, and allow the onus to go back onto someone to get it sorted basically if they can get it sorted and if, if it's able if it's something that can be fixed by either therapy or, or going to speak to someone then that's going to be beneficial to to both the employee and the employer we're not saying here like if an employer opens up about these sort of mental health hiccups and we're not saying that the employer has to sort it out it's just they need to have some sort of structure in place in the sense of you can go to here here and here and this is what we do as a as a company to promote uh, good mental health and i think it's just fostering a culture whereby you can actually communicate and i've read quite a few bits this week on uh, on the mental health foundation website there's one thing that really stuck out for me where it said the value added to the economy by people who are at work who have or have had mental health issues is as high as 225 billion a year which is 12 percent uh, uk total gdf which is massive right obviously yeah. we, keep, we keep saying how how prevalent mental health issues are in people but you forget a lot of these people are just still doing their job under these like pressures mental health issues whether it's like work social uh, family and it's so it's impressive that they can do that but also it makes you realize the potential they can have once they have a clear mind yeah and having the having gone through yeah the the burden of whatever of getting to the office you know for example yeah and if if you kind of if you take that away then imagine where that extra energy could go to do to doing more than that you know that could that number could be you know, if it was addressed earlier, then that could be much, much bigger. You go to all these swanky London offices and like, I don't know, some have like a slide or things or like fully stocked bar and all these sort of like extrinsic factors. But so say now less people are going to go to the office or things will change post COVID. Things like mental health issues should be like paramount or like the structure should be paramount. I like to think intrinsic things such as this should outweigh the things like a fully stocked bar or things like that. Like it's obviously great to have like, that sort of stuff there in place but it's the whole creating an office environment where it kind of feels like not necessarily home but like creating the culture of like a family at work is like obviously the dream as an employer yeah you're just jealous mostly you don't have a slide and beers in your place of work at the moment we do have beers we don't have slides <laughs> but yeah i know what you mean it's kind of got the whole like yeah. it's got the kind of sheen kind of a feel to it doesn't it that it's just like oh we've got you know a slide maybe i'm just jealous i don't know <laughs> i'm just gonna not, but I'm, I'm very I, I am jealous of it but at the same at the same time i get like what you're saying completely about it's kind of it's all very well having all of that but if you don't have like you said like the personability of of yeah. a support structure in place then it's kind of just like it's just frills on the top and it's not it's not going to help significantly any mental health issue that does appear in your in your work team so no exactly and i think in this whole like covid environment i feel as if just speaking to your normal colleagues just like how they are like socially normally that's gonna do so many like so much wonders yeah for their mental health not in the sense of like chasing for work and stuff as well like stuff work's gonna get done but just trusting them and doing their work but also just checking in on them on them so for example like if they've been furloughed from the start or like things like that like you just gotta keep in contact with them all yeah if you also on that on the building if you thought that a colleague maybe was sort of you know struggling with with maybe some of the things that you had been would you feel confident either just talking to them directly or i don't know what, what the other route is if you did figure that out or what what's kind of 
appropriate to do in that situation? Do you, I guess, going to a senior member is probably a bit much in a workplace yeah. because in, 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 in personal life, you know, for example, if you had a friend, maybe who you were really worried about, you might go to another friend, you might go to their you know, parents or relatives or whatever, just to have a word with them. But the work life masks that we kind of, you know, put on and off when we come in and out, yeah. I think that there's definitely, you know, work to, to break those down a bit. Cause I think they are quite, they can be quite strong and, and needlessly strong in the sense that the work mask is very, you know, one, one identity and the home one is another. And maybe we can merge them a bit, but, do you think there is a kind of, do you think that's going too far in putting them on, on top of each other a bit? No, I wouldn't say so. A good example was last year we had like, a student come work for us, I could tell he was suffering. The office space can be such a tricky environment for anyone who's suffering with mental And he, he's had problems with the past, he told me like, at the pub and things. And there's a couple of times where I just saw him like, like breaking the sense of just like, like run to the toilet and just like, just stay in the toilet. It's just talking to them, mate. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just talking to them and then like checking up on them. So like they quite often he tell me stuff at the pub when he's a bit bit drunk, and it's more a case of just checking he went home okay, and then just just talking to him when he's sober as well. This is like a big thing that kind of struck for me is he actually he just graduated and then put his dissertation picture on in that Facebook whatever LinkedIn, and I messaged him I was like oh mate this looks good like can I read it and he he didn't say anything sent it to me and he wrote my name and like the acknowledgements of like someone who's helped him and mate that like really that like really got to That's me. That's huge, yeah. I was like, mate, like, he didn't have to do, and he didn't say anything either. Like, he didn't say, by the way, he, I, I was just like, I was actually intrigued to see what he'd um, wrote to read his dissertation because it's about uh, mental health. And I was like, mate, that's massive. It's taken away, like, the whole work where we're like, don't get me wrong, like, work's part like, everyone, you, you've got to, like, you've got to work, let's be honest, like, to, to pay the bills. But yeah. It's just, there's so many more, there's so many initiatives that I think we've both got and ideas that we've got where employers can help people actually fulfill their potential. Yeah. It's telling employers that you're actually near to listen to. You can listen to them and they can they can speak um, and have the confidence to do so. But I think that's very like what you did though in that situation. I think that's really, I think that's quite abnormal in, in a good way. I think that's a really powerful thing to do. I don't think I, I'm not sure if I would be that you know confident. I, I don't know to be honest, but I can imagine it not feeling that easy about. And it's 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 strange to say, isn't it? Because it's such a kind of like humane thing to just you know check up on someone. Yeah. who's um in that situation it's like anyone would do that but it's also like you said it's like it's where you work it, it's in in th- in theory it's competitive whether we yeah. take it as competitive competitively as other people do is you know it varies from person to person but in theory it's there for you know people to, to get to the top in most places and then to do that there's there's a certain game that gets played but it's about i guess just breaking through it this is a different scenario this isn't part of that like you said just yeah. someone who's in, clearly in trouble needs needs help and support and then that is just its own reward but it's also you'd like to know that someone felt really relieved by that and mentioned it and for you to you know to see it like that is um i think it's a good uh example for others to kind of get on, get in that mindset a bit more. And it's obviously going to vary from industry to industry completely. I get that. But, yeah, of course. Of but course. I think always, I think for everyone to always just consider it more is something and just to look out for that and just think about, because it's so easy for the environment of work to, to bear down on you as being work. And of course it is work yeah. to, to an extent, but you can always find little pushbacks in that, I think, and kind of take the load off where wherever you can and still get the job done to to as best as everyone can do but it's 
I, I completely take that it's tricky to find that. And it's, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take, like you said, trial and error a bit, and it's gonna be back and forth, but to not try anything, I think in this current climate is a, is a lost opportunity oh, to not try and fix it now when a things are getting, there's more pressure on mental health facilities and, and more people are claiming it in this time. If someone can really embrace that and, and build with it, it's going to have huge benefits in the future. I think, like you said, another good thing which I think employers can do is obviously I know a lot of people now have like mental health first aiders, and they're not necessarily HR exactly employers, and it's having like oh, right. having employees, sorry, and it's having those people like you, like so and so. It might have been a different team, but knowing that they're probably a similar level to you, and that's someone you can actually talk to, just like on a personal level. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like what I did to the to the student, I didn't do anything. It wasn't rocket science. It was just just speaking to them, yeah. and just literally just listening to them. And like that's the thing. And I don't think, I don't think he would have had the confidence to, to speak to me if he didn't know I'd suffer from mental health issues in the past. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's just kind of showing your own vulnerability in the sense of like you can be a port of call for anyone. It is so inspiring when you have got people who've like got to the top who have had these sort of like hiccups and stuff here and there. But, I mean, we'll we'll get there someday. We'll get there someday, mate. Uh, the greasy pole. <laughs> the greasy pole. <laughs> the greasy pole from uh, Carl's Carl's fire station. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but that is. But you're right. That's kind of like that's leadership, isn't it? Anyway, I think. Oh, I think that's going to be. Uh, yeah. I hope. That, I yeah. hope that that's going to be what leadership is in the future. That that that's the, the the role model that gets put forward as being someone that should be followed for whatever reason. Yes, yeah, everyone's applying for a job. And I saw they have X, Y, and Z for mental health initiatives. It makes you more encouraged to apply, doesn't it? Like it's, yeah, exactly. It's another thing. It's, like it's the strings of their bow. Like there's going to be a lot of companies in the same sectors, no matter what you do. But that can like, definitely stand out ahead of the competitors. Yeah, that's completely true. And then also to when you come to maybe thinking of staying or leaving, even that's probably for an employer. That's probably more important to to know that you're not just getting someone there for the short term is just going to you know get out quick if you build that and offer that at the start then i would imagine that's going to lead to 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 i guess loyalty is not the right word but just kind of invested interest in the in the employee because they know you invested in them from the start yeah that's so true mate we need to start our own business there mate we should we should come in to uh to corporate corporate days and corporate events events. if anyone's listening (laughs) Yeah, if, yeah, we're available to hire at a cheap rate. <laughs> we'll bring our whiteboard in and, and get to work. Triple threat round, flip the coin, heads or tails, the loser's got to do a story, a song or a joke. Let's do it. <laughs> do you want to call? Uh, yep. Where's you flip it, I'll call it. Oh, great, great flip. Heads. Heads. So what's the rule again? If you get it right, <laughs> what what are you looking at now? I'm looking at Queen Elizabeth. We've got heads. I think that. Head. Well, I think that means if I get it right, I think you do it. God, unless I, I'm I'm gonna have to call. I'm I'm gonna have to call it next time. I think you're fixing it. <laughs> I'm actually. We haven't had a story yet, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give you a short story about when I came to London. So got a grad job 2015 October. So I got the train down on a on a Friday from Leeds to London putting my bag on the big bag on the luggage rack and then it was quite an elderly lady like she was trying to um, put her bag on as well and she's like she's struggling she's quite short and I was like oh it's fine I'll, I'll give you a hand it was like a lovely Kath Kidson bag and do you know like you, you pick you, know, like, you pick up the bag thinking it'd be really heavy 
and it was literally not. I don't. I think there's probably like a pair of shoes and thing in it. Like, there's literally nothing in it. So I picked it up, dropped it. I dropped it on a lady on a table, and she had um, a hot cup of tea. Hit the t- <laughs> hit the tea, went all over her, and I was like, oh my god! I was like, obviously like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I felt terrible, but fair enough. Like it was probably hot. Like yeah, it went all over her jeans, but she was like livid. Like wouldn't I accept my apology, and I'm just like. I'm so sorry, but like, what can I do? Like, I'm, I'm obviously going to get you, get you a new cup of tea and get you, get you a, a Kit Kat. And then she was like, "Oh yeah." And then, so once I down, I actually ended up sitting next to that old lady. And then um, I was like, "Oh god!" She was like, "The old woman's like, oh, I'm so sorry." I was like, no, don't apologize. It's not your fault. And then I was like, "Oh, I'm, 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 when the train goes, I'm going to go get her a tea and a tea and a Kit Kat." So I went to get her a tea and a Kit Kat. The woman obviously went to she went to the toilet, got changed. Came back, gave her a tea and Kit Kat, and she's like, "Oh, I was like, oh, sorry again." There you go. She didn't even say thanks or whatever. And I went and sat down next to the woman. I was like, "How rude is she?" Like, obviously, like, I feel terrible. Like, I'm so sorry, but I put it, gave her a tea and Kit Kat, and she was like, "Oh, you'll never guess it." And I was like, "What?" She was like, "She just lost the phone." She's absolutely livid. Got a tea and a Kit Kat, got wet <laughs> jeans in a bag, and lost the phone. And then I was like, "Oh God!" And I was like, "But then I don't think she even found it before I got to London." And I was like, "But I made a new best friend." I met a new best friend, the old woman. So, she got to accept the apology, and there you go. So, started off. That was my that was my venture to the big trip to London. That was your first London city experience. Yeah. What a rude bunch we are. So that's episode five done. Hope you got a few tips and tricks how you can make your workplace a better place. Uh, I think if you steal any of our ideas. You'll be speaking to Mano James's lawyers. No, I'm joking. So keep following us on Twitter and Instagram at All Chats Pod, and give us a message if you want to speak to us about anything or any constructive feedback is much appreciated.